I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. We have a really unique story to share with our audience. Robert Hainsey and his father, Ron Hainsey. Robert grew up in Monroeville. We met him when he was 11 years old, when he was playing AAU basketball. He got recruited to IMG, the sports academy, for his junior and senior year, and then had to make a decision on where he was going to go to college. He chose Notre Dame, four-year starter, two-year captain, and was just drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His work ethic, his DNA, his leadership are extraordinary. His father, a former police officer in Monroeville, outside of Pittsburgh, worked for 25 years and is a ethical, hard-nosed, tough, loving father. He will share his story of what it's like to be a dad that follows his son and the anxieties that are created. So we welcome Robert and Ron Hainsey. Welcome, friends. Rob, it's been a journey since we first met in AAU basketball when Joe Eisman was the coach. Yes, it has. That seems like a long Long time ago, huh? It was amazing. When you were this big lumbering around the court, you know, trying to get to the hoop, get the rebounds, uh, shoot shoot from the foul line. Yeah. Uh, and then you kind of made a decision and really began focusing on, on lifting. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I remember when – I remember the first tournament I played with you guys. I think – I don't even know how. I think – Joe got my dad's number and just invited me to come out and play that one tournament. And I did that. And then um, I ended up sticking around. But yeah, I mean, that was probably, that was probably around fifth or sixth grade, huh? And then going into like middle school, I really started hitting the weight room more. Got like, was working with a, a guy named Adam Blumen who trained me out here three times a week and just lifting extra. And I really enjoyed it. Like it was something I had a lot of fun doing and really kind of sunk myself into just working out, getting bigger, getting stronger, getting ready to go into high school for basketball, football, everything. But just lifting in general and working out, working hard is just pushing myself past the limits that I thought I had. It's something I really took a liking to, probably because when I was younger, you know, I had to do those things to to play midget football. Like there was weight limits and I was always a little bit above, maybe even more than a little bit, like 15 pounds. So in the summers, I would go out with my dad and we'd run in the hot sun and we're be wearing garbage bags up in the, up in the stadium steps, just running those every summer when I was like eight, nine, 10, so I could lose weight to play football. So that was like a really, I think I learned when I was young, what, what it took to work hard and get results from it. You and my son played together, John Michael, and then he came down to IMG and I got a phone call from your dad saying, I've gotten an interesting call about IMG. What can you tell me about it? Yeah. And then 
all of a sudden you take a trip, you decide to come, and for the next two years, you and Caesar and a group of guys joined us for lunch. Yeah. All right. And we and, uh, we continue to feed you and watch you grow <laughs> as you uh, help develop the IMG brand. Yeah. And we appreciated that a ton. Those were, those were the best days. I got your guys' house on Saturday. That was awesome. Talk about IMG, how that helped you, what that did in terms of the next step. Yeah. The biggest thing, you know, looking back after these last, I guess it's been about six six or so years since I'd made that decision. Like when I was, I was 16 at the time and I got the call, you know, what's interesting is my parents really left that decision up to me. They didn't tell me whether I could or couldn't. It was, it was completely my decision to decide that, Hey, this is something I got to do. I got to go down here. And for me at the time, it was like, okay, I have all these goals. You know, I want to go play big college football. I want to start for four years and I want to make it to the NFL. And if this is, if those are really the things I want to do, like I really, really want them as bad as I say I do and think I do, this is just something I have to do. And so for me, you know, leaving home at 16 to go down there and, you know, surrounded by a group of guys and IMG has a great structure for high schoolers, you know, it's not as much freedom as college, but it kind of gave you as a great stepping stone to realize what it was like to kind of be on your own, live in the dorms with your teammates, bond with those guys like that. So when I went to Notre Dame, it was, I was used to it. It wasn't really an adjustment at all. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that helped me, I was able to focus on just school and football. I didn't have to worry about getting adjusted to that kind of lifestyle. So it really gave me a good jump start, especially with going in in January. What about your decision? Because you were being recruited by you know, some yeah. really big schools. I mean, Jim Harbaugh was obviously very interested in you. And uh, you made the decision to, to select Notre Dame. How, how did you how'd you arrive at that choice? Yeah, Notre Dame, I mean, they kind of came a little bit later in the recruiting process, too. And, you know, like Coach Harbaugh at Michigan, I, I liked Michigan a lot. Um, I probably would have went there if I didn't go to Notre Dame. But for me, after visiting all the schools and I visited Notre Dame, and I kind of realized on my second visit there, I don't know what it was. It was just something about something about the place. I knew I knew it was special. I knew it was meant for me. And I think I, at the time I, I knew that no matter what happened over the next four years – with football, with school, with life, that after I left Notre Dame, I was going to be prepared for whatever I was going to do. So right now it's going into the NFL and, you know, Notre Dame and my coaches and the experience I've had there prepared me a ton for that. But if, it, if that wasn't the case, you know, I got my degree in December in finance and I know I could go pretty much do anything I want to do with that. So I just knew that the people there would always be there to help me. The network's amazing. And that after four years, I'd be a better man and I'd be ready for whatever the world had to throw at me. Well, the other piece is the fact you've been the captain for two years. To be a captain at a prestigious school, one of the top uh, universities in the world, has to be an honor. Certainly one of my greatest honors and achievements in my career. And, you know, the, like the respect I have for my teammates and coaches there is, it is infinite. And to know that they respected me the same enough to vote me captain as a junior. And then again, as a senior, you know, you know, I worked really hard to be that guy. And I had some amazing guys to learn from, you know, Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey. And, you know, it's cool because those two guys were both first round picks, top 10 picks. And then they left. And the next year was Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars, who are our leaders and captains. And those, both of those guys went undrafted, but all four of them are starting in the NFL right now, which is, a testament to the type of guys we have at Notre Dame and how hard they're going to work and how when we get into the league, 
we're going to do whatever it takes to be that guy and help our team win. So I had amazing, amazing mentors to learn from. And that gave me a great, put me in a great position going into my junior year to help lead the team. So when you talk about leadership, what do you think the two or three things are that a leader on a, in a program like Notre Dame has to do in terms you know, of relationships, in terms of communicating with the coach? Because uh, your coach, you know, I, I mean, he's, in terms of personality, he has a different personality than the Jim Harbaugh. He's got a different personality than a lot of people. So how did you end up building a relationship with him and then getting the respect of your teammates? I think as far as like your teammates go, you know, from the day I stepped in there, I just tried to be myself and be consistent. I, we talk, I talk about being consistent a lot. We say being the same guy every day. And to me, that means being someone who's accountable, who can be trusted, who is going to be at the right place at the right time, who no one has to worry about. You know, we talk about don't be the guy that's on a list. You know, there's all kind of don't miss in class, being late, all kinds of things. You don't want to be that guy because you don't want other people to have to worry about you. So for me, it was always being that guy and just, you know, going in there with the same mentality of working as hard as I can because I know it's going to benefit the team. And, you know, after two years of doing that and being voted captain, I knew I knew at that point I had, like, respect, a mutual respect, respect between my teammates and the coaching staff. So. I felt comfortable and we had meetings as captains with uh, coach Kelly, but I felt comfortable going to him with anything that the team needed kind of said, or people would come to me and say, Hey, you might have to go talk to him about this. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I can do that. Like, because there was that mutual respect, respect there because, you know, he trusted me, I trusted him. And, you know, I put the work in to where I think I earned that respect. So I could go to him with anything and express the feelings of the team. You had a setback junior year, you break your ankle. Some, yeah. Your ankle. So talk about that. I mean, here you are. I mean, things are going really well, and now you're hurt. Yeah, that was hard. It was the seventh game, and we were playing Virginia Tech at home, and the guy tackled the running back as I was I was pulling and kind of just landed on my leg. Fell back, and I, I felt it snap, so I kind of knew. Um, but the whole process was tough. I mean, it's just hard not being out there with your team, and it's hard to stay engaged when you can't be at practice and get a feel for how things are going when you can't when you can't be out there doing it. So I did my best, you know, Tommy Kramer, the right guard was also hurt. So they were down two two starters. So we did our best to help as much as we can, you know, in the meetings. I mean, I remember right after I got my surgery, I was kind of laying in the hotel room and there was a, a freshman there who had torn his ACL in camp, but hadn't had surgery yet. So he was at practice. And I was like, Hey, uh, FaceTime me whenever you guys go to the team. So he'd stand there and hold his phone and, and, and I'd, I'd kind of watch through there just as much as I could. And then, the guys went the rest of the season and won the rest of the games and won the Camp World Bowl versus Iowa State. And it was, it was awesome to see those guys step up and, and play in my spot. You know, it, it's hard to watch someone else play in your spot, but I was extremely proud of Josh Lug, who who stepped in for me. So everything that those guys did was awesome. And for me, it was just uh, keeping my mentality focused on what I needed to do. And for me, and at that point, it was just get healthy. You know, that's the hardest thing is just it's a long process, but staying focused on the end goal the whole time. The other piece, I mean, you were in two playoffs. Talk yeah. about that. That was like, and the competition that yeah. you faced, how that was different than the normal schedule. I mean, even like this this last year, you know, going to feed their regular season, beat Clemson, then played Clemson again in the ACC championship, and they had, a, they had a great plan for us. It's just one of those games where you seem you can't really get seem to, seem to get anything going, and so be it. But we ended up in the Rose Bowl versus Alabama and Dallas, and I mean, that game was that game was awesome. And, you know, watching it over and over, you know, really proud of the way our offense played and how hard we played, um, moving them up front, blocking them, 
score some touchdowns. It's just, you know, they're just a good, they're, they're a good team. You know, there's nothing you could do. Our plan was to kind of run the clock, chew the clock and score over long drives, five, six, seven minutes. And a couple of times we did that, but you know, their offense gets the ball and they're, they're hard to stop. The competition is different. You know, you get those teams, uh, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons, it's a, it's good on good all the time. There's not, there's not going to be no room for error in those games. So you just got to come in with your, with your best foot forward and make sure you're ready for everything they can throw at you. So how do you see the differences in level of, of, of competition? I mean, do you see one elite level with maybe four or five schools, then kind of another group, and then a, a, a lot bigger group below that? I mean, you've been in it four years. You've seen, yeah. you've competed with, you know, in the ACC, you competed outside the ACC, you competed in, in, in championships. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you assess that? I think in college football, yeah, there is there is like a division, and there's going to be those eight, seven or eight schools that are always going to be up there in the conversation. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. I think Notre Dame over the last four years, we've proven to be in that conversation. Like Oklahoma's always, always really close up there. So those teams, and then there's always a couple teams who are really, really good. But you know, it's funny you see some of these other schools. They talk about who should get in the playoff. But even if it's if it's not inside those group of teams, like it's really hard for other group other teams to compete with those guys. Um, you know, they're bigger and they're stronger and they're faster. Like at the athletic wise, I mean Alabama, like their whole defense, they flew around playing them. They're huge on the D line. Their linebackers are incredibly fast laterally, and their DBs are six three and run four fours. You know, they're just they're very gifted athletically and you know coach Saban does an outstanding job of putting together a winning team every year with the discipline they have and they're not chippy on the field very respectable they're very uh business and to the point which I which I respect a lot and I think a lot of times with good teams that's that's what you see it's usually the bad teams that are always mouthing off and getting trying to get chippy of those things I enjoy playing those kind of games where it's good on good and it's just about football so now you're approaching the next step in your career. We've got the NFL draft. Yeah. Talk about when the season was over, what type of preparation you've done physically and mentally to yeah. get ready for the draft. Yeah, so after the season I went out to Arizona to Exos, which is just a training facility. Um there was probably about 40 or so, 50 guys. Um we were split into a couple groups. So I was with like the O-line, D-line and, and we did just a ton of um, strength and speed training. And most of that training was, was geared towards all the testing you would do at the combine or this year, in this case, pro day. So a lot of testing for your forties and your cone drills, a lot of the lifting, all upper body was geared toward getting as many bench reps as you can. And then like lower body was all about explosion for your jumps. So it was a different type of training than like what's necessarily the best for me at my position being an offensive lineman, but it's, you know, it's what you have to do for those drills. Uh, to compete well and to get to your best performance there, which I think I did. I think I did a really good job at pro day and I was happy with, happy with how I did. I left it all out there. So that was a little bit different in the fact that I just wasn't used to doing those kind of, that kind of training. And then after pro day, I stuck around Notre Dame for another couple of weeks and with uh, Tommy Kramer, Liam Meikenberg and Aaron Banks, the other three offensive linemen coming out this year. And we just worked out together. And we would do offensive line drills when we get with our uh, our old coach Harry Heastan and do as much as we can with him just to keep getting better. That was fun because I kind of got to get back to what football is for me. When you think about advice for 
high school individuals that are trying to make a decision about what college to go to, I think are the one or two pieces of advice you'd give. The biggest thing is you got to go somewhere where you, where you think you're going to be comfortable. There's so much coaching changes. And, you know, I, I went to Notre Dame expecting Coach Eastand to be my offensive line coach for four years. And I, I wanted to play for him for four years because I know what his reputation is. I know how good he is. But, I mean, I had him for a year, and that was a great year, but he left after that. So things change. And you have to be able to adapt to that. So you can't really go somewhere just because you want to coach. You want to be coached by a certain person because they might not be there. But for me, you know, even with him leaving, Notre Dame was still everything I needed and everything I wanted. So that was the best for me. And like I said, somewhere where you're going to be comfortable that after four years of college, four or five years, that you're going to be prepared for life no matter what because football doesn't always work out and it's not going to last forever for anyone. So you always got to be prepared to take that next step. So a college where you know, you know, get your degree and grow as a man and as a person and be ready to take those, take those next steps in whatever path it might be. In terms of your education and getting a degree in three and a half years, how were you able to do that in a tough field in finance? Yeah, well, I, coming in early helped me. So I technically got a full four years, calendar years of, of uh, semesters since I, grad, I came in January 17, graduated this last December. And so we have great academic advisors and they help us out a lot. But really, it's, it really just comes down to you and who you are and making sure you're not going to slack on things that need to be done. So whenever there was something that needed to be done, I tried to do it to the best of my ability, you know, keep my grades up because you never want that to be a problem. And everyone cares about that, especially if you're looking to go to the NFL. Every scout is going to ask, hey, what was your GPA? And you don't want to tell them, like, oh, I was a, a 1.9. Like, no. So, like, I'm proud to say, like, I graduated with a degree in finance with, like, a 3.2, and I'm, I've worked, worked my butt off to get that. So it was um, a long road, but honestly, there was a ton of help there. I met some great people uh, in my classes that I'm still friends with at, at a place like Notre Dame. These guys are crazy smart, and, you know, they helped me a ton just getting through stuff, learning the material outside of the class. So all those resources I had were just, were just really great for me. You've been an incredible leader. I can remember when the group would come to the house on Saturdays, you'd be the person that organized stuff. They'd all want to follow you. I mean, yeah. you've got that in that DNA built in your soul, you know, that you've got a personality, you have enthusiasm and you bring energy and there are individuals haven't been in coaching that are energy drainers and energy gainers. Mm-hmm. And you kind of an energy gainer, you kind of lift people up around you just because you're positive, you're enthusiastic, and you've got this can-do attitude. Thank you. Yeah, I was just trying to bring the, get, bring the guys along, no matter what it is, whether it's just, like you said, outside, just doing things together. Like as an offensive line in Notre Dame, we were extremely close. We did things together all the time. And if we were all together and there was a freshman who wasn't there, like we're, I'm, we're calling them, like, why aren't you here? Like, you got to be here. Like, yeah, it might be a Saturday, you might just want to relax, but no, like spending time together is what's important with us, for us. And, you know, it means a lot on the field and it's a great, it's a great time always. So I promise you're not going to wish you were by yourself. Well, you also picked up a great hobby in golf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you start, you started doing that at IMG some, and then uh, you picked it up. I think you belong to some clubs at, at Notre Dame <laughs> that you, uh, that that you've continued that I mean that's kind of a have you found that as a way to relax and still stay bonded with some of your people and meet other individuals yeah I love golf and I think the first time I picked up a golf club was like 
right at the end of my senior year of high school. And over the last four years, I've really grown to enjoy it. And I mean, the best part about it is, yeah, like you get to go out with your friends. And like, you all, we have like our, our group of guys that, that we always uh, go play with. And that was always fun. But it's also something that I'm not that good at yet. I'm still working on. So it's, it's fun for me to have something to improve on and be able to see increases in skill and get better at, which I like a lot. Just watching you mature from the time you were in our gym and I coached the team to you coming here to uh, IMG and going to a prestigious school like Notre Dame and to be the captain for two years, leading yourself into these championship ball games. I mean, I'm so proud of what you've done and how you've done it and how you've carried yourself with class, with dignity, with being genuine and, and just being a really good person. It's been a real joy to watch you and really wishing you good luck to what team is going to be fortunate enough to have you on their roster. Thank you. I have Ron Hainsey on with us today. He's the father of Rob, an unbelievable character young man. His father, uh, as I mentioned, was in the police department for a number of years. And um, talk a little bit about what it's been like being a police officer over the last couple of years before you retired, Ron, how that has changed. Well, I was a police officer for 28 years. So I would say the last five years, you know, if you want to narrow it down, you know, society has changed. What people believe the rules of society are have changed. Some for the good, some for the bad, but it's definitely created a new challenge in the world of policing. It has to be done differently in some aspects, but there are aspects that people need to realize that have to stay the same as they were because there have to be laws. You know, people talk about we should have less interaction with, you know, with the citizens. You know, so therefore, don't approach them for this, that or the other thing. But we have laws. We need order. We can't have chaos in society. So it's really it's, it's a challenging time. And I don't know that I'm not thankful for not being there today because they have to work hard. And you're in a you're in a multi diverse neighborhood that you work in. Absolutely. And. You know, the town that we're in in Pennsylvania is where the turnpike comes through. So, I mean, you're talking, you know, over a million people a day passing through the town. So you get everybody, you know, you get every walk of life. And, you know, you need to learn to be a person that can treat everybody the same. It's not a personal situation when you're dealing with somebody. It's work. And that's where I think sometimes the problems come into. Rob was bigger than a lot of the young men that he was growing up with. When when did you think uh, he was going to be a football player? Because we first met when Joe Eisman was coaching the AAU team and we were playing AAU basketball back when we were 10 or 11 years old. Yeah, I, I have a picture of Robert when he was seven years old in his first football uniform. As soon as he got the uniform, as soon as it was issued, you know, a little practice uniform, he went up to the park up the street from us, had him fully padded, and the first thing I did was take a picture of him. And I still have it. And obviously you have dreams for your kids. And you know, football was one of them for me, you know, for Robert. But he just, honestly, he took to it. You know, he took to, you know, growing up playing all different positions, playing everywhere. And he understood things so well, so quickly when it came to being on the field that it, it just seemed like a natural thing for him to be doing. So at that point, what you do as a parent, I was just encouraging. And what about IMG? So here he is, he's in high school. And all of a sudden you get a call and we talk about 
IMG and coming to Florida and so forth. Talk about that decision, how that was. That was a rough one. Um, you know, I know you're familiar with Don Zalotti down at IMG, and you know, that's who contacted us. He saw Robert at uh, Under Armour Camp at Ohio State. They were looking for offensive linemen and um, invited us to come down and take a look, see what was going on, if we liked the place, if we didn't, just get a feel for it. And it was going into Robert's 11th grade year. Our local high school program was really on the downslide. There wasn't a lot for him here. There wasn't a lot of competition for him here. And that was something that he was kind of struggling with as far as trying to get better. You know, we made the trip down to IMG. It was early June, or I'm sorry, early July. Took a look at the place, obviously, you know, fell in love with it. It's gorgeous. How do you not like the facilities they have as a football player at IMG? And um, if you remember, you know, came back, talked to you about it a great deal, you know, because, you know, John Michael was there. And, you know, I was honestly leaning away from it just out of selfishness. Because I didn't, you know, how am I going to see my kid play football every weekend? And um, had to be there by August 1st if he was going, so there wasn't a big timeline. I was kind of back and forth, back and forth with it, you know, for probably about seven, eight days. And then one day Robert said to me, you know, this is, you know, he's going on 16. And he said, Dad, listen, I get it. I understand why you don't want me to go there. But I really think if I'm as good as people think I'm, I am, that's where I need to be. And I'm going to be mad at you someday if you don't let me take this opportunity. So um, I know I had extensive conversations with you after that. What's it like? This and that. And, um, you know, at that time, you and your wife, Terry, I mean, everybody, you know, the two of you assured me, you know, we're here. You know, we can look after them. If something bad would happen, if something drastic would jump up. You know, in fact, I listed you guys on his paperwork that you had access to them. So I kind of went with the whole, if you think you're that good kid, go ahead and go. Let's see what happens. But you're not coming home. He said, fine, it's a deal, and never wanted to come home. He loved it. But then trying to be a father and follow your son, talk about that was like figuring out flights and making every game and, and, what, and what you had to do to make that happen. I mean, you know, a lot, a lot of parents out there listening to this, you know, they, they think about what it's like, you know, the anxiety that's built around getting the games, watching the game and those kinds of things. Talk a little bit about what that experience was like before you ever went to college. Well, I can tell you right now, I'm still paying for some of it. All my traveling. And I had it better, honestly, than some people did because I had the resource of having you down there and being right by IMG, providing me with a place to stay whenever I needed it. So, I mean, that was tremendous weight off of me without having to, you know, you got to figure out flights, you got to figure out cars. But now I don't have to start hotel searching. You know, are the pirates in town? If they are in the spring, you know, the prices are absolutely ridiculous. You know, and I mean, so on that end of it, it was great. I mean, when we were going into, I was going down to IMG, you know, I could get my flight, I can get everything. It wasn't, I mean, you're still spending money, but I knew I had a place to go to to stay. So that was a huge difference. The away games, when you're going to California, Louisiana, Texas, flights are obviously a lot more expensive. Cost to stay there. You know, some places was crazy. There were games I went and I flew in and got in at, you know, four o'clock on a Friday and was back on a flight, you know, 3 a.m. Saturday morning no, because I mean, you just go and turn around. You got to do it. I mean, that's what you do. I have always took a huge um, old fashioned parka with me. That was my dad's. It's like a real thick rubber that if you put on in the summer, you just sweat. 
I always had it with me because there was times I would have to find some place to sleep and try to get places by the airport. They're not always the prettiest. So I always had that parker and I would cover the bed with it if I had to lay down for a couple hours and then off I went. I mean, and money wise, I mean, you just, you know, what I did and it was just the way it worked out for me is I put a whole season on a credit card. At the end of that season, I, you know, come January, I found 0%, you know, transfer for 18 months, you know, no interest, no nothing, would transfer it. And as I paid it off, so as I paid off 11th grade, I was running up 12th grade. Huh. And I've done that. And I've done it all the way through. So right now that he's done, I'm finishing up, you know, his senior year now. So about six, eight months, I'll be caught up. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 it's an expense. But I was determined that I was not going to miss a football game. I have not missed a Roberts football game ever. I missed one since the day he started playing. And that was this year at Boston College. And that was out of my control because I wouldn't let people win, obviously, because of COVID. Right. But I didn't. I missed nothing. Now, how about he's a senior, heavily recruited. He's interested in a, a lot of schools. You live in Pennsylvania. You got Pitt. You got Penn State there. You have Jim Harbaugh. He likes great relationship. And then all of a sudden, Notre Dame comes along. Well, that was one of them things. Now, there were, like you said, there was a couple teams there. I mean, Penn State was a big team, you know, because the defensive back coach, Terry Smith, was, you know, the local high school coach here for the longest time. He knew Robert from the time Robert picked up a football. So there was a great relationship there, somewhat through you and somewhat through recruiting. Got to know, you know, a little bit more about Jim Harbaugh than just as a coach, you know. CM conversations and yeah, and Robert was a big Jim Harbaugh fan. Really liked him. Really got along with him. Um, and Jim was just, I mean, he's just very straightforward. It was great talking to him. Really liked him. The Notre Dame thing came along because I think a lot of it was Tony Jones. You know, kept telling him up at Notre Dame, you need to take a look at this kid. You need to take a look at this kid. Um, Audrey Denson, I guess, was watching some of the tape and this and that. It goes to he stand. The way Notre Dame was at the time is you don't deal with Notre Dame football as an offensive lineman unless you deal with Coach Harry Heastan. And Coach Harry Heastan deals with you in person. You know, so ultimately he reached out to us, said, I'd like to talk to you about it, but it needs to be in person. You know, I need to sit down, need to get a feeling for you people. You got to get a feeling for me. So we went and did that. And Robert and I went and honestly, he just fell in love with the whole place, fell in love with the campus. It's just, you know, people say like you just know when it's right. And I don't know that that works for everybody, but him walking into Notre Dame was just right. I mean, he he knew it from the time we walked in there within a half a day. He's like, this might be the place, Dad. I really think so. So we met with everybody who came home. He was very interested. So told him, make a trip up, you know, with your mom when you when we can fit it in here. You know, because he's down at IMG. We're in Pittsburgh. So they arranged that. So, you know, obviously she has to see it also. He called me during that trip and said, I, I can't see myself going anywhere else. And that was really pretty much the end of it. I mean, he kept his options open. He talked to coaches, you know, but I think in his heart, he knew where he was going to play for. And then from your standpoint of watching him mature there, start and be a two-year captain, that has yeah. to be, from your own standpoint, just a humbling experience. It's tremendous. Um, you know, I mean, we're all proud of what our kids can do. And, I mean, Robert has worked his butt off. And he was, I mean, he, from the get-go, from going to IMG, you know, with you and Terry, Don Zelotti, some of his coaches down there, you know, transitioning up to know that he's been surrounded by the right people. He's been surrounded by people with the right values that, 
help guide him and you know, turn him into the person he is. You know, former players, Mike McClinchy, Quentin Nelson, Bars, Muscle, all of them guys. You know, I mean, they're still in touch. It's, it's a brotherhood up there that they just all fall into. And, you know, it's just they all are the same kid. They just look different. <laughs> you know, they really are. You talk to one, you've talked to all of them because their philosophies are the same, their work ethics are the same. And I, when he got into that atmosphere, I started seeing that build. Then, um, I mean, I, I was extremely comfortable with him, and I was very proud of him to see that he was pushing to do things the absolute right way, the best that he could. And then his junior year, he gets hurt. Oh, and Lord. we're on the phone. We're talking. We're trying to figure out what to do, and then. It ends up yeah. working out, but there was a lot of anxiety around that. There was more anxiety there than I, I don't even know how to explain it. I was, I mean, I was on the phone with you that night, what, midnight or something after that, happened, trying to figure out what doctors are the best at what and this and that. And I mean, the only doctor he ever really dealt with was, you know, you know Dr. Bradley here in Pittsburgh. And long story short, I mean, it worked out. He had a surgery. You know, Dr. Bradley getting up there, did a surgery and, um, I called around and asked other doctors, people you recommended, people other people recommended. And I mean, everybody told me if you have the chance to have Brian Raddick and do it, just go for it. He's as good as anybody. So we did. And um, obviously did a tremendous job because he rehabbed it. And honestly, I mean, if you ask him, you don't, don't even know what happened. You can't, you can't feel a thing. But the, uh, well, the process was rough. It was probably more rough for me, you know, because as a parent, you're sitting back watching, you're not with them. You know, I'm a panic mess all the time. I think it was a little bit easier for him only because, you know, one of his really good friends, Tommy Kramer, had hurt his knee right before then. So they were out together. So while I'm home panicking, you know, I'm getting texts from him and Tommy. You know, people send me videos of them racing their wheelchairs, you know, through the snow down Notre Dame Avenue. So obviously it was a little worse for me, but it was that's a lot of anxiety. You know, you always you start thinking the worst and you don't know what's going to happen. But. You know, God was with him. It worked out. Well, then you had the chance to be part of championship ball games, you know, which is uh, another unique opportunity. What, what was that like for you? It's a whole different atmosphere. You know, every football game is exciting. You know, every football game, especially before the whole COVID era, you know, it's just a great time. So much enthusiasm and energy. Those bowl games, the way they treat the kids, the way they have everything set up, it's, you know, you're like, like, a Miss America pageant for a week you know I mean it's just everything is done you know everybody's doing their best to try to make these situations so nice for everybody kids are treated you know beyond tremendously so I mean it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful time it's a week you know I usually would go for like three days of that week you know to catch a game and just you know enjoy a little bit of the pageantry and you know walk around the hotels everything you know if you're at the Notre Dame hotel I mean you can't turn without seeing pictures of your kid and every other kid and they make walks of fame at the one hotel where they have all their names in the ground. It's just, it's really nice thing to see to know that your kids are actually participating in something that's, you know, different than what the normal, you know, child gets to do. So here we come into this weekend, another anxiety-producing weekend with the draft. As it led up to the draft, you had to make a decision on agents. You know, something yes. that happens and so forth. So how did you determine? Uh, ultimately, who you were going to select? Well, I mean, ultimately, Robert selected CAA and um, still mostly, you know, with the Condons, mostly with Tommy Condon. And to be honest with you, the way that happened is I believe when they were at Notre Dame, 
representing Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson, a former Notre Dame player, a Notre Dame dad, former Chiefs center, Tim Grunhard, who has a long history with the uh, Condon. So he introduced me to them. We talked. They had an interest in possibly representing Robert going forward. You know, but at the time, you know, that was going to be down the road. There's really no conversation for us to have. So I always kept it in my mind and um, talked a lot with parents of those other kids and how happy they were, how comfortable they were, you know, with the Condons and you know, everything that came back was extremely positive. So, you know, obviously that weighed heavily on me. And we met with, you know, basically through Zoom because of the COVID era, we met with, you know, quite a few people, had conversations, discussed different, you know, aspects of what they felt about Robert and where they saw Robert projecting, you know, into the NFL. And well, honestly, what it came down to was comfort level and a trust. You know, left the whole thing with the feeling that I can call Tommy Condon every time I need to ask him a question. I'm going to get a truthful answer, whether it's what I want to hear or not. And he's going to look out for my son's best interest in the long run. You know, whether that be physically, financially, whatever. You know, he's not going to just sign Robert on as a player and have 20 other players. So Robert's not going to get, you know, any attention if and when he needs it. You know, he's seen it. It seemed to me that he would be very fair. Obviously, he has first-round draft picks. He has free agents. You know, I wanted somebody that looks at each kid as a value. And that's how I felt with him. So that's kind of – and Robert's extremely comfortable with him. Uh, well, that's important. I mean, that's – Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that bond you have with this person and that trust is critical. Well, absolutely. And in the long run, it's Robert that has to deal with them, not me. Right. You know, and he needs to be able to – sit down and make his own decisions and, you know, run them through him. And they did. I mean, I, to be quite honest with you, I've probably talked to Tom Condon and Tommy less than, you know, anybody that they've ever represented because I always felt that, you know, it's something that Robert needs to deal with and come to me when he needs me. Yeah. And it's worked out wonderful. Well, that's, that's well, uh, the anxiety level, what's, let us know what, what it feels like here on the precipice of when your son may be drafted. How is this well, anxiety different than the other ones you've been through? This is the ultimate stress. You, know, <laughs> you ask the people around me and they look at me and kind of wonder why I'm screaming all the time in the last couple of days. You know, I have a new puppy, that poor thing. They can't do anything right, right now. You know, it's, um, I'm beyond stressed. I mean, it's just, there's no way to really have a good feel from it, you know, from what I've learned through this process. It seems, you know, NFL teams are very close mouth. They don't want the next team, the next team, anybody to know what they're thinking of. So it's almost like you kind of hit this period of complete silence, you know, a day or two before. So now you just sit and wait. You don't know if their minds have changed about one thing or the other. You know, you don't know what other players are looking at. So if, you know, player A dropped, Oh, now he's there. So instead of taking Hainsey, we still want to play right. We'll grab him and hope Hainsey's there next time. It's it, it, it's very hard because um, it's you have no control. And I'm not good with situations that I can't have input into. So that makes it even harder. Robert seems to be doing well with it. I'm sure he's nervous. But he's if he learned anything from me, it was don't stress as much as I do. Because, <laughs> you know, or at least don't let it show. Because he's taking it very well. You know, I mean, we obviously had no expectations from last night, but it was good. You know, he's watching his friends and, you know, people he's met along the way. And, you know, he's very happy for a lot of them, you know, that he knows. So, I mean, he seems to be okay. I'm, 
I don't know. I, I figure out what I'm doing the next, you know, eight hours before this starts again. You know, I got a brisket on the smoker. I got malt sitting out back to do. I got a puppy. I, I will work all day because I can't sit. I'm, I'm going crazy, to be honest. Well, again, who would have thought when we first met in Swickley and yeah. were in AAU basketball, we'd be sitting here on the precipice of a two-year captain at Notre Dame that's getting ready to go and join the NFL. I mean, that's a remarkable accomplishment to this point. He's got his degree. He's yes. going to go to an NFL team. He's going to have an opportunity not only to build on his NFL legacy, but also once he's done with football, has a degree from a prestigious school that's going to allow him to be successful. So yeah. parent, I mean, those seems to be the only kinds of things you can do to be able to guide your son. I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I couldn't ask for more for him, you know, and, but I also have to, you know, throw that asterisk in there that the kid has worked his butt off. I mean, from the beginning, he's worked and worked and, you know, forged the relationships and, you know, done what he's needed to do to put himself in the position that he's in today. You know, and I think, you know, I mean, as a parent, you know, what can you do other than, you know, provide them with the information and, you know, the necessary work ethic, but it's up to them to go do it. You can't do it for them. And, you know, I'm extremely proud that he's found his way through, put the effort in to get to where he is. And, you know, I just, you know, he'll be in the NFL and, you know, I'll still be washing his car in the driveway, I guess. I don't know. It's just how it works, I guess. Yeah, he's worked and I mean, he's put himself in this position and, you know, I, I want obviously nothing but the best for him and the higher, the better. But, you know, we'll wait and see how it plays out. Absolutely. Well, again, it's it's been a, a real journey for us as dads kind of following our sons and watching them as they matriculate. But really happy for you and your family and for Rob and what he's achieved to this point. So thanks. Thanks for joining us and sharing what it's like to be a stressful dad in a stressful situation. <laughs> hey, I greatly appreciate it. I do this anytime for you. I mean, you know, you guys, you, Terry, uh, you need to understand that you know, Robert just worked his butt off. But, I mean, you you guys play a part of that. I mean, think about it. Every weekend for, you know, how long you had a house full of what's ultimately going to turn out to be nine, ten kids in the NFL again. And what yeah. did they do every weekend at IMG? They went to Hughes's house. They went to Jed's house. Terry cooked for him. Jed bought food for him. Terry did their laundry. They played basketball. They went swimming. I mean, that's what, I mean, you guys were foster parents for two years to those kids. Well, you know, and, and I know you've kept up with them. I mean, you got, you know, Curtis, you know, is out in Minnesota. I mean, I know you kept up with the kids and pay attention to them. And I mean, I don't know that, you know, and I actually called Don Zalari, texted Don Zalari the other day, the same thought. I mean, I don't know that people actually take the time to come back and thank you guys for the amount of effort. And you put effort into Robert since he was 11 years old. Yep. You know, and it helped. It made a difference in who Robert is today and what opportunities he has. And somebody like me should thank you for that. So I'm well, greatly appreciative of everything your family has done for us. Well, it's our pleasure. And again, uh, really enjoyed having you uh, join us today to share some some of those some of those emotions so good luck yeah oh, i appreciate it jed thank you very much all right thanks